Nobius Nutrition is still physical distancing, and we're not mad about it. This is a one-hour food fight against diet culture and its fake science messages. Instead, we're passionate about celebrating real wellness. I'm registered dietitian Hannah McGee. And I'm neuroscience PhD student Tarek Youssef, and this is No BS Nutrition. I feel like we've been here before. Oh gosh, Eric, I know we've been here before. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Arctic King. Just kidding. You probably actually won't even see that in the video. I have we bought an air conditioner. Oh really? And it's called Arctic King? Yeah. We're really um Thomas was trying to think of ways like if we were gonna be in isolation for all of summertime. Oh um, he was trying to think of like what we might need in case we can't get out. Yeah, I really hope that that's not the case. I know, yeah. Um, We're just trying to be prepared, I guess. Yeah, we're still using, like, our fireplace right now. It is kind of chilly in the mornings. It's still chilly in the mornings, yeah, so we turn on our fireplace in the mornings. I did, um, so your uh, morning movement ideology is, like, something I share, but I haven't done in a long time, and Mm -hmm. I did some movement this morning, and um, I just, like, went for a little jog, and it's it was freezing outside like really? i needed gloves and everything yeah yeah the mornings have been cold i haven't really been going out in the mornings like outside to do any sort of movement we've been going in the afternoons for walks but um it's supposed to be beautiful today here in moncton i don't know about how that's good should we come clean to everybody who's listening and watching about oh yeah we what happened <laughs> so we actually are we're recording this episode for the second time right now as every podcaster has to go through this experience yeah um, but we, we had some technical difficulties but we're still fresh we're, we're still, still vibrant fresh. we had like almost 25 hours <laughs> i'm wearing the same shirt that i wore when group. we recorded it yesterday oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we're we're back because we recorded a full this full episode yesterday and um, yeah, we had some te- technical difficulties, but we're still, you know, we're still going to be just as fired up as we were yesterday um, and bring you Absolutely. guys Absolutely, maybe even more so. Yeah, yeah, since we've already kind of run through it, we're like rehearsed, we we know our shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you, well, you, well, that episode will go down in history as just a lovely hour-long conversation between you yeah, and I that totally. we decided we to those. record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um... For, for the sake of the podcast, uh, is there anything new that's been going on with you? Q, I'm going to act surprised now at everything <laughs> Honestly, you said. I can't even remember what I said yesterday. Um, no, not really with us. I mean, we're, we're still obviously social distancing, trying to stay in the house as much as possible. Um, we're kind of lucky that we live in like a suburb essentially and it's pretty quiet and pretty new so there's not a ton of people around so we're able to still get outside in our neighborhood for walks and really not have to worry about coming in contact with other people where it's very easy right if you know there's big streets and it's very easy to you know stay much more than six feet apart so yeah i'm lucky that we're still able to kind of get outside so that's good that's what i'm grateful for i guess this morning um what about you how are you doing um i mean my neighborhood is like there's a graveyard so 
most of those people don't really move around too much. Um, right. So, because they're... <laughs> um, it's, like, really quiet. I mean, there's just not much around. Um, yeah, so same deal here. It's a pretty quiet spot. Uh, even first, though I live in town, it's, like, a pretty quiet spot. Okay, at first when you said it, it's a graveyard, did you say it's beside a graveyard or it's a graveyard? Well, my neighborhood is... I mean, the the graveyard is so big. It's, like, basically half the size of my block. Right, so I at first I thought you were, like referring to your neighborhood as a graveyard like oh, it's oh, like, oh. Really quiet like everything comes here like, to die yeah. <laughs> yeah or something like that and so but then i realized like you were actually there's actually a graveyard like literally in your neighborhood, a graveyard. so the people literally are not yeah leaving. it's a pretty quiet spot and i mean there's maybe even less traffic because the public transit is running less and less so less right. people are like out trying to catch the bus right. and stuff like yeah. that yeah. Or a fewer times, anyway. Interesting times. It's weird. Living, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, and it's okay to, like, feel weird about it, for sure. I know, yeah. like, I try as much as possible to, like, limit complaining about things and, you know. Um, but, sure, But yeah, sometimes there are little frustrations that, you know, it's okay to have as well. I mean, it's, I think you have to be able to, like, get your feelings out too i know i saw a colleague of mine talking on social media last week just saying that like she misses meeting up with her friends for bouldering or climbing or whatever um, once a week and she said she really misses that and like she thinks like you know she she obviously knows there's more important things and like that she's safe at home but you know it's okay to also feel frustrated and miss Parts yeah, of your life we, we were also you and I were very humble in the first edition of this episode where we talked about all the things we were very privileged to have. Like you were saying, your yeah. neighborhood is like really um, scarce with people, so like you're able to go out pretty safely. We were talking about like I don't even go to the grocery store to get my groceries; yeah. I shop online. They literally put it in my trunk and yeah. we drive away, like never having come in contact with anyone. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the biggest reason why i mean thomas and i literally haven't been within six foot of a human being and well like since it started we haven't had to be like we just haven't had to worry about it so we've been very lucky in that regard i know people just like don't have that option right and we yeah we did discuss that yesterday how a lot of the things that we're able to still do are it's a privilege for sure Oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, I saw this headline. This is so terrible. I I hate to be the person who's like, I saw this headline and I didn't read the article, so I don't know what it's about. (laughs) But I I saw this headline about um, how people with depression and anxiety might be faring really well during social isolation. I've read about that, too. Did you see that? I've read. It might not be the same article, but I've seen a few people talking about that. Like, um, I haven't read anything about it, but I definitely, like, feel, I mean, I haven't talked about this on the podcast, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to be, like, more open about it. Mm -hmm. I I was diagnosed with PTSD, Mm -hmm. and as you know, and I definitely, like, can relate to the idea that, like, oh, we're, like, all staying home and, like, we don't have to do all these obligations Actually, I'm super chill with that. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I saw, yeah, I saw a few posts and discussions about that. Like people who have, or who live with like really high levels of anxiety or depression, like you mentioned, yeah. are constantly living in that state or a state of anxiety that now people who don't necessarily deal with that day to day are experiencing it. But the people who have anxiety or depression don't feel a difference. Oh, they have like a res- 
yeah they're this like, situation they're like, I don't like feel they're already different. used to yeah exactly they're just kind of like i don't know why i don't feel any worse and then you know their therapists or doctors or, or whoever are like oh well this is actually because you're constantly living in this state you know that <laughs> this is your baseline <laughs> yeah exactly no and it's true this um, this isolation is a tuesday for me right <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Obviously, it's a very serious situation. Yeah. But um. But it hasn't um, been as thing, big as a shift, I guess, in at least right. your, like mental state. You know what I mean? In terms that of, makes sense. Um, yeah. The so the um, I didn't know this, but the the Queen of England apparently I didn't know this. Very apparently, very rarely makes public addresses except for at Christmas right. time. Right. I was reading that so, this morning. And she'd only made three before, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Once as a child during World War. To, um, are you serious? And then once, yeah. And then Ooh. once when she was a princess, once when Princess Diana passed, and okay. once when her mother passed. Okay. And so the fourth one was for the coronavirus pandemic, which she made yesterday. And um, uh, well, Canada, if Canadians and well, other people around the world, like we're part of the Commonwealth, so mm-hmm. the the speech was kind of publicized mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um. And I watched it, and it was like, regardless of whether like someone is pro or anti monarchy, I think it was just like an interesting indicator of how serious the situation is. Right. That like this person who like never makes a right. public address made a public address on like a pretty global uh, platform. But the the cool thing about it was that um, she was really trying to say, our work now will pay off later so like Mm -hmm. whatever efforts we put in now are going to make it so that like we get through uh the pandemic on good standing right which is like what we've talked about before kind of that thing of like it may be anxiety inducing but social or physical distancing and um you know taking care of the people around you by you know staying at home um is going to pay off totally and it'll be less anxiety overall after the fact in the long term yeah yeah I agree. I'm sad I didn't watch it now that once I realized, like, how... I didn't know that she has done so few public addresses. Like, I didn't realize that. I don't really... Like, I'm not a huge... Yeah, exactly. Like follower. No, I'm not either. I mean, I don't. Family and things like that. So I, I don't really pay that much attention. (laughs) Love Prince Harry, but that's (laughs) about it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I have to go back and watch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. It was an interesting watch. Well, maybe I'll ask you, Hannah. What is your BS of the week? I can't. I don't know. I have no idea what it might be. What I'm about to talk about. Okay. So, I'm going to do dramatic acting now, and I'm going to do surprise face. Okay, I don't even know. It's so weird now because I've already told you. I almost like don't know how to start, but I'll just for the listeners. I'll just do it. It'll be perfect. Everyone's on the edge of their seats. Yeah, yeah, people can't. Oh my! Everyone's their teeth are clenched. They can't wait. (laughs) So, my BS of the week this week, um, it does have to do again with COVID nineteen somewhat, um, and it does also have to do with what we're going to um, lead into talking about in, in our main topic of this episode. Um, so for those who don't know, those who are not aware, <laughs> I'm on TikTok. Um, and I know people have a lot of opinions about TikTok. Some people are like, it's for children. Some people, but you know what? Now I've noticed more and more people like 
millennials and even my parent my dad is on tiktok <laughs> boomers are on tiktok as well, well think of like how twitter started like Twitter was kind of the same way. It was like kind of a jokey thing, and then it turned into like this, was like basically like business right. and academic platform. Right? Who yeah, knows I don't what TikTok's know if TikTok going to become? Turn into that, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, I think more and more people now that they've you know a lot of people have a significant amount more time on their hands, so they've joined TikTok for mainly. I think probably for the the humor and you know the funny videos, and that's the reason that I joined it initially. But then I realized that. There was healthcare professionals using it to spread, you know, messages about health and wellness and um, medicine. And, and there's dietitians on there talking about nutrition. And so that's kind of what I aim to do. But and, and like I said to you yesterday, um, you know, with social media platforms and people, you know, sharing, you know, healthcare professionals and, and professionals sharing their messages, there's also going to be non-professionals or people who don't have credentials sharing similar information or sharing their own opinions or their own interpretations on health and wellness. And I've come across a lot of that on TikTok, just like Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. And I wanted to share this BS beverage that I came across last week. Um, So essentially it's this, it's, it's, like another detox or cleanse drink. It's like a mixture of hot water, lemon, and cinnamon. Lemon water and... Not lemon water. Lemon juice and cinnamon. And it got over... It probably has more now. But it when I last looked, it had over 1.7 million views on TikTok and around 250,000 likes. And the video, or the TikTok, was created by a 20-year-old young woman um, who has no apparent credentials. Uh, she just appears to be on a weight loss journey and she's documenting it on her TikTok account. And she, in this video, she was sharing her recipe for this like weight loss beverage that she drinks every day. And the first thing that she claims in the video is, this is an easy and effective recipe that will help you lose weight not gain the quote-unquote Corona 15 or the Quarantine 15, which we'll talk more about, um, as you guys can tell from the title of this episode. Um, And then she also says, and it will boost your immune system. And then she claims that she's lost 21 pounds so far, and she drinks this every day. So Mm -hmm. there's already like so much wrong with all of those statements. Um, Totally. Like... I, I took me a little while to figure out where to start, but first of all, like this is BS because, and we've talked about products or certain foods or drinks like this before, but there's no way in hell that this drink alone was like the cause of her losing 21 pounds. No. Literally, no way. It's not possible for one ingredient to do that. So, for her to claim, like, I've been doing this for, I think she said, like, I've been doing this for six weeks or something like that, and I've lost 21 pounds so far, something like that. So, I mean, she's basically using it in place of a meal and restricting right, normal caloric exactly. intake. So, if you look at, like, I took a little peek at her TikTok account just to see what else she was posting about. And, like I said, it was clear that she's on a weight loss journey. So, there's very likely other diet and exercise related things that she's doing, or, you know, just straight up restricting food like she says i'm an anxious and bored eater so when i drink this it helps keep me from snacking so she's drinking this beverage in place of food 
So obviously there's going to be a caloric deficit there that's contributing to her weight loss, not whatever's in the lemon, the cinnamon, and the boiling water. Like, right. Right. So that's a really harmful message to portray. Like, I've been drinking this and I've lost 21 pounds. No, you're also doing X, Y, and Z and eating less. So that was number one. Number two, like I already said, this is so similar to like other cleanse or detox drinks. And I know yesterday we kind of compared it to the master cleanse. Well, that's why I'm surprised. Like, is it just like history repeating itself? Like, are people that bored that they're just pretending they're making up with something new? Like this, this isn't news that people are putting cinnamon and lemon water in for fake diets. It's not. And I did a little bit, actually on my TikTok page, I did a little review of that video and like kind of pointed out why it was BS. And I had some people comment saying like, it, this is literally just another, you know, detox drink, but she swapped um, cayenne pepper for cinnamon. It was like cinnamon's the new cayenne pepper because that was a huge thing. Right. I remember when I was um, like a teenager and even in university, cayenne pepper was like the metabolism boosting, <laughs> quote unquote, um, spice to add to your like water or your smoothies or whatever to yeah boost your metabolism and help right. you burn fat and whatever. Now the same things are said about cinnamon. So anyways, it's like a cup of water, half a lemon juiced and cinnamon, like half a teaspoon of cinnamon or something like that. How can you look at those things and be like, that just helps you lose so much weight? I don't know. To me, that's yeah, a little really, bit... Yeah, it's really... Yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah. And honestly, if it was really that easy, I promise you'd be hearing about it from credible sources yeah if, i know it's like people think like really that easy this thing that's like in your fridge will yeah. help you be a like will work miracles like yeah a, a, and no one has known about it and there's no evidence whatsoever right. but yeah. believe me it's gonna work exactly so that you know what's bs but the the unfortunate thing is that there's so many young people on tiktok on this app that they don't realize or they're they're more vulnerable you know they don't and maybe even like generationally, they they haven't experienced like the master cleanse and all of the right. debunking of yeah, that. So now exactly. for the first time, they're exactly. experiencing this kind of quote cleanse detox. None of that work. Yeah. None of that exists. And like I so, they're seeing a, it for the first time. Right, as a fourteen year old, fourteen um, year old girl, girl, even a sixteen year old or eighteen year old girl, like if someone told me those things, I didn't know any better. Like I wasn't at the point where I had learned research process and how things actually become, you know, recommended for health and wellness or weight loss or whatever. And then what's just bunk. Right. And, and I didn't learn that. So for all of these people on TikTok seeing that cinnamon promotes weight loss, they're like, Oh, okay. Like got to add cinnamon to my water. I'm going to lose 21 pounds. But then if they don't lose 21 pounds, they're like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't it working for me? So that's really harmful. And I guess we can save the part about the Corona 15 and the quarantine 15 for the the main discussion. Yeah. But she also says that it will boost your immune system, which there is so much of that flying around social media right now. Obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic, people are claiming that such and such will boost your immune system, will protect against coronavirus. We talked about that last week. And we know that things don't boost your immune system. Like they don't just, you don't ingest them and all of a sudden like, boom, your immune system is suddenly five times better. You have like what? A million more immune cells and they're like, they live longer. Like none of that happens. It doesn't work like that. Yes, you can support your immune system 
through various things, diet being one of them. And yes, there are certain nutrients that, you know, you consume when they get digested and absorbed and utilized in the body, they may contribute to the production of immune cells or they may contribute to whatever, you know, the cells in the immune response, but they're not. And like we said yesterday, as they would contribute to the rest of your body, like it's just nutrients too. being used exactly. up in your body. Right. So it's, it's not one specific thing that you can consume to have this drastic improvement or protection against viruses or illness or whatever i don't mean to make light of it at all because it was very serious and very i I found it very moving i I think you did too but like you can also eat like velveeta shells and cheese for 17 years and be like generally healthy like like or like generally alive and well like there's no magic potion of like food that's gonna right completely reformulate your body like it takes totally a combination of good nutrition or and taking care of yourself in other ways as well your mind and through movement to like be generally healthy which will contribute to having a good immune system i agree yeah and what episode did we talk about that just for reference for the people listening oh i think it was um Oh, when did we talk about that? It, it, it was, was an in, early episode. It was in season one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was it was like episode... Um, like two, even. Yeah, I think it was episode two where we talked about... Um, we won't get into it, but a, a, a young yeah. man who strictly ate Velveeta shells and cheese for years, right? Like 17 years, I think. And he was think. generally yeah, yeah. healthy. So if you guys want to hear about well, that... Well, which we kind of like talked about that a little bit, like how generally healthy he was. But yeah. basically his doctor told him he was like fine which yeah, yeah. it's complicated but anyway yeah anyways, go listen to that episode <laughs> yeah if you want more details on that you can go listen to that episode um okay so one last thing about this is that i i did do a little peek into the research about cinnamon because i had heard before on social media like really you know not dietitians um but just yeah. other wellness influencers claiming that cinnamon has these not necessarily weight loss benefits um but benefits related to blood sugar and people claiming that it it helps stabilize or balance blood sugar and i obviously you know when i heard people talking about this i kind of rolled my eyes because it's not likely that you know a single a spice can make this dramatic effect on your blood sugar um so i was just interested and i took a peek and there there has been some research done the the most that i could find were a couple reviews of studies both from 2016 actually um and i'll, mm-hmm. I'll try to sum it up i know i've been talking for a long time so i'll try to sum this no, up. no it's perfect it's quickly. great but basically so the first review it reviewed 10 different studies and it was published in the journal of pharmacy practice it showed it did show an average reduction in fasting blood glucose so that's um your blood hb one no is that right no, no. fasting <laughs> Fasting blood <laughs> glucose is in the morning, like when you first wake up and you oh. haven't eaten fasting, right? Oh, right, right, So right. Okay. you haven't had anything to eat yet. That's your blood sugar level before you've eaten anything. Um, okay. So it did see a reduction in fasting blood glucose with cinnamon that was better than other common dietary supplements um, like ginseng and fenugreek and chromium, which are other just like things found in food supplement or supplements. Yeah, exactly. Use. 
But then it goes on to say that this reduction in fasting blood sugar was modest. And um, then in another review from 2016 as well, they found very similar things, uh, you know, that cinnamon supplements added to the the regimen or routines of type 2 diabetics um, had modest effects, very modest, small effects on fasting blood sugar and hemoglobin A1C. So that's the HbA1c that you're talking about, which was which is a three month average of your blood sugar. Three months, that's what it is, yeah. Okay. And they also the researchers went on or the the people doing this review went on to say that none of the studies or the vast majority of the studies, the reduction in blood sugar, this very modest reduction, you know, it wasn't big enough to be able to recommend um, taking cinnamon. Change as, in like clinical care. Yes, change yeah, in clinical yeah. practice. It wasn't, you're not able to recommend taking cinnamon um, as a treatment for right. um, type 2 diabetes or a, a blood sugar reduction treatment. They basically concluded continue with the recommendations for lifestyle, diet, and um, hypoglycemic medications. You know, we can't add cinnamon to the roster for you know <laughs> recommendations or treatment of type 2 diabetes so it's really important to to recognize that and also realize that these studies were done on type 2 diabetic patients they weren't um you know we can't ascribe any of those results to just the general population and um hold on let me bring up my notes totally and uh, the other thing is like um just very briefly i'll mention Although there's evidence for something, although there's a scientific paper, it doesn't necessarily always mean that that evidence is right. Is like perfect evidence to move forward with uh, in that field. Just like you're saying, like clinical recommendations weren't changed, and you know, you you brought up a good point earlier when we were talking that it takes an expert to judge whether or not something just because there's evidence, just because there's a scientific paper, whether or not it's credible. And that's right. why we have dietitians, like you were saying, that's why we have scientists and medical doctors to be able to judge whether okay. or not emerging science is actually, you know, um, rigorous enough to contribute yeah. to changes in clinical We can practice. actually translate that science, like look at the research methods and look at the conclusions and look at the limitations and and say whether or not this is something you should actually pay attention to or there still needs to be more research done before you can actually um, jump I on. I bet I could find a paper on pretty much anything. I bet I could find a paper about like asparagus having anti-cancer effects. Sure. I'm sure oh, I could totally. look it up. Yeah doesn't mean that it does right exactly good i'm i'm glad that we covered that and you know (laughs) also with um these type 2 diabetes patients taking cinnamon supplements in these studies they were also taking hypoglycemic medication or diabetes medication that lowers their blood sugar and they were probably also um making diet and lifestyle changes as well that could have affected their blood sugar, their fasting blood sugar and their hemoglobin A1C levels as well. So it's really hard to pinpoint um, cinnamon as the cause of any of those changes. And same goes for this young woman and her TikTok video. She was likely implementing other I mean, we already know she she was eating less because she was drinking this beverage um, instead of snacking. So you really can't pinpoint the lemon and the cinnamon and the hot water as what's uh, causing her to lose weight. Three inert substances. Right. (laughs) Three just like... (laughs) 
Exactly. Molecules put together in whatever order that she's ingesting and then, you know. Totally. That are not doing anything magical in yeah, the body. It's purely. Just doing the normal stuff that nutrition would do. Yeah. It's it's the the calorie deficit that she's likely creating by eating less and probably exercising or whatever else that she's doing that's resulting in her weight loss success, not lemon and cinnamon. Not the Master Cleanse 2.0. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you for that BS of the week. Thank you for listening. I really <laughs> thank you for listening like three times. <laughs> Um, I was really, I, you know what? I feel like I did a it was, good job of it being fired up. It got better and better every time. Yeah, I was just as fired up the second and third time oh through. My, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the burn. Good. Okay. So moving into our main topic, it you know it does have to do a little bit with that BS of the week, but we want to talk about this idea of the as this young woman mentioned and as a lot of people have mentioned the corona 15 or the quarantine 15 which if you've ever heard of the freshman 15 it's essentially gaining weight during quarantine or during this covid19 pandemic because we're isolating at home or you're you know you're spending more time at home because that's what we're recommended to do is not leave our house as much as possible um a lot of people have on on social media have started to complain or worry about gaining weight during this time and they they make jokes or memes or tiktoks about how much weight they're going to gain over the next you know couple months or whatever it is and and a lot of people just like this uh tiktok user are taking advantage of that time to create all these like fake diets yeah. and perpetuate Messaging their use around how to prevent the or avoid the quarantine 15 and like we'll get into with um what we'll both be talking about all of this is really just like a way for people whether or not they want to admit it to um promote their promote weight stigmatization and weight discrimination right exactly so essentially you know we we want to talk about what you know what's wrong with the quarantine you know the idea of the quarantine 15 and people griping about it and i mean to start off essentially it's just diet culture like weaseling its way into the covid19 pandemic you know it, it continues to perpetuate this idea that weight gain and having more weight on your body is always a bad thing and it's something that needs to be feared and shamed and stigmatized um, and joked about and you know poked fun at and it's ridiculous that i think that you know during this time where you're staying at home in order to promote the safety of yourself and your family and others it's i don't know it's getting a bad rap because now we're gonna we're all gonna gain weight because we're staying at home like i i really think that whoever started this and i mean i know it's not one person it's diet culture in general but has twisted it into being about you know controlling your weight totally it's fear-based and it is uh discrimination Mm -hmm. against fat people it's fat shaming it is yeah it really is it it feeds into yeah fat phobia it's fat phobic it's you know perpetuating that fear of gaining weight or being fat and fat people and you know associating it with 
laziness and ugliness and being inferior um, to thinner people, which right. we and, know is wrong. And uh, and I um, said this briefly when we were first recording this, but I am not like perfect. I'm not like some pillar mm-hmm. of the health at every size community. Like I I want to learn, and I'm constantly like teaching myself to like change my thoughts. Yeah. And I have learned a lot, and I'm so grateful for that. But I still find myself, like, sadly um, putting myself down and thinking of, like, weight-stigmatizing thoughts. Mm-hmm. But the 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 thing that we want to promote is, like, yes, we're, sometimes people have those thoughts yeah. because of diet culture. But maybe taking those thoughts to social media and bringing other people down in the process is not the right thing to no. do actually in fact it is not the right you thing should, yeah what we want to reiterate is like because diet culture and fat phobia is so ingrained in our society we've all been brought up to whether you're thin or fat or whatever we've all been brought up like with the messaging that fat is bad and gaining weight is bad and so of course even like you know you can do the work and and heal your relationship with food and your body and even work in the health at every size realm and and be a part of that community and still have lingering thoughts about you know fear of gaining weight or negative body image or whatever it is and it's not and i've seen lots of health at every size and intuitive eating and disordered eating recovery and eating disorder recovery dietitians talk about this and say that because it's so ingrained in our society it's almost like you're always going to have like thoughts and i'm sure you know as you progress in your journey and you do the work you right. know they'll be fewer and farther between but they'll, they'll still come and up. And those thoughts might not translate to behaviors or dangerous exactly, behaviors. Exactly. And that's kind of being able to shut those thoughts down and, and remind yourself, no, like my worth is more than my body size or my weight. Um, what's more important right now is taking care of my mental health and, you know, things like that. And being able to, yeah, kind of shut those things down, recognize that they're fatphobic or that their um their message is coming from diet culture and uh, and also not like you said not sharing them with the public you know yeah this is not the time to be like retweeting or like posting on instagram about like all the weight you're going to gain because of all the snacks at your house that's not helping anybody and it's definitely not helping yourself exactly it's way more harmful than you know providing a handful of people with a laugh like think about all of the other people right. that you could be hurting by perpetuating those messages and and you're hurting yourself by having those thoughts like oh yeah yeah it's it's a great time to t- do some self-reflection and think of where those thoughts come from yeah. and and think about how you could just like move past them it it, it would be very healing maybe read hunger by roxanne Gay. yeah great book yeah <laughs> <laughs> well should i get into some science yeah totally let's 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 share with me the 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 scientific well at my old school we uh used to study all these papers um that was a really bad magic school bus joke okay well i looked (laughs) into two different (laughs) articles it was really bad i (laughs) really really bad i looked into two studies um for today that i really liked um and i'll go through through them very um 
very succinctly in the same way that I've done studies before, kind of talking about four different categories. Why did these researchers do this study? What did they find? What does it mean? And what are the limitations? So the first study is called, Does This Tweet Make Me Look Fat? A Content Analysis of Weight Stigma on Twitter uh, by Janet Lidecker and colleagues from Yale University in 2016. And we'll include all that information below. People can go find the paper themselves. It's actually a really... I don't usually get emotional reading a scientific paper. I study the retina. And as much as I can be passionate about vision research and vision restoration and the uh, neurobiology of vision, I don't often find myself like cringing or crying <laughs> right um but this paper was really really emotional because of the the just like the reality of the material that they were discussing so they wanted to study weight stigma so what is that very briefly it's like negative attitudes it's stereotyping and discrimination based on body size and unfortunately all of this is on the rise and it's pretty obvious because communications are increasing as social media grows more popular and i thought it was pretty pertinent to this to our topic of the quarantine 15 because communications are even maybe heightened right now because people are physically distant right. so they're taking to social media to communicate even more um but of course this happens all the time whether or not there's a pandemic there's white stigma at work at school yeah. in the media with the underrepresentation of fat individuals in the healthcare system which i'll talk about more in the next study and that weight stigma is unfortunately associated with depression, body dissatisfaction, disordered eating, isolation, which people don't really have a choice right now, yeah. um, economic hardship, um, and so on. Uh, people consider weight stigma acceptable, unfortunately, because they wrongly believe that obesity is caused by a lack of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So there's some studies indicating those kinds of um Thoughts linked to uh, people who are obese, fat people, um, and that overweight people are like stupid or lazy. It's this really sad stigmatization that actually like really affects people uh, and how they live their lives. Um, it this kind of perpetuation and normalization of that language uh, of body dissatisfaction and disordered eating patterns. It's like. I don't know. It's like degrades fat people's bodies. It shames people. Yeah, totally. uh, And this is on the rise on social media. And there's actually little research about this kind of communication specifically on Twitter. So this is why the study wanted to do it. Right. Um, they looked at the term fat, which we talked. We can talk about a little bit more, which is being reclaimed mm-hmm. um, in the fat community. Or <laughs> is that a thing? Fat community by fat people, the word fat is being reclaimed. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but even still, it's being, it is still being used with a negative connotation, mm-hmm. um, sadly. So they looked on Twitter, and they had the, their hypothesis was that the word fat would be associated with weight stigma in various tweets. So what did they find? They had about 5,000 tweets um, that they found with the word fat between in a in a specific four hour time period. And like I was mentioning before, it was kind of shocking to me that of those 5,000 tweets, it was about f- over 5% of tweets made in that four hour time period included the word fat, which seems like a lot of tweets to be talking about. Yeah. Fat and fat. In a four hour time period. Yeah. 
in a four-hour period. Uh, on Twitter are like all those millions of users. Right. So they, the scientists or the researchers, scientists looked at the perceived intent of the message, whether it was, for example, a negative message or a neutral message that was intended by the person who was tweeting. So obviously they were inferring this. They weren't talking to the authors themselves. Um, 56% of the tweets had a negative intention and right. around 30% were neutral. Some of the... Uh, some of the tweets were so awful, I'm not repeating them here, but just so that people who are listening or watching the video um, of the podcast get an idea. One, uh, a tweet that would be categorized as negative, for example, would be like, feeling really fat right now, not eating again until next Tuesday. So that would be categorized as negative. Okay. Um, versus, here's a neutral message. You need to burn approximately 3,500 calories to lose a pound of fat. Okay. So that was categorized by the researchers as neutral. Um, only 7% of tweets were um, what they called pro-fat or positive. Um, so, for example, here's a tweet. Someone wrote in the girls' bathroom, if you're not a size 0 to 4, you're fat. Really? What a sad, insecure life you live. Okay. So that would be categorized as pro-fat. Very, very few of the tweets were pro-fat. Um, and the tweets with weight-stigmatizing messages, the negative tweets were more often than not related to gluttony, unattractiveness, less uh, being less sexually desirable, sedentary lifestyles, laziness, and stupidity. Really sad stuff. Mm-hmm. So what does it all mean? So it is good evidence that there is indeed uh, a promotion of weight stigma on and weight discrimination on Twitter. Um, And it prompted the idea for the researchers that healthcare providers might want to address weight stigma on social media with their patients. Maybe it's something that people don't talk about enough, how we experience weight stigma online. We know it's there, but maybe healthcare professionals can help us, dietitians can help us, you know, doctors can help us deal with those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. which they definitely can. Um, Weight stigma and discrimination is associated with Decreased motivation to lose weight, increased depression and anxiety, more frequent binge eating, less physical activity. People feel degraded and it it really affects them. Right. Um, So we do need this kind of like prevention work at reducing the influence of weight stigmatizing messages. So not only kind of teaching people to not tweet out this bad stuff, but maybe we should be using social media platforms to tweet out um, messages. a body positive message more often so that we can kind of uh, flood these social media platforms with positive messages mm-hmm. to kind of counteract all the negative messages that are being used to to engage youth uh, in more body positivity. Right. So there, there are some limitations. I think it's an important study, but there are some. They only looked at a subset of tweets at a specific time. Like I said, they were inferring the connotations of the tweets rather than Asking the people who authored them, which would also be complicated, (laughs) what the connotation was supposed to be. Um, But regardless, I think a very important study. Um, Yeah, what do you think? I think that it's really, that's really, really interesting. And I like that you mentioned the idea that not only, like, that it's important to put out more fat positive or body positive messages on social media. as they highlighted, you know, there's way less of that. And um, I think that that definitely could have, I think because there's so many social media users that it's such a powerful way to reach people. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes I forget that 
we're, <laughs> for lack of a better term, like woke in the, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> no, when it comes to weight yeah. stigma and fat phobia and, uh, I'm not saying we're, like you said, we're not perfect and, you know, I think there's always, yeah. you know, work to be done, but we recognize the harmful effects of weight stigma and, um, we, you know, support and believe in health at every size. And, but I think a lot of people are not on board or they've yeah. never heard of it or they, yeah, they've never heard of fat phobia or they've never heard of weight stigma. And so talking about these things. Or they're like friendly to people's faces, but they still tweet out these like, or yeah, they have, Instagram out these yeah, like harmful they, messages. They say, um, you know, they're like, I have fat friends or whatever, but they still. Have- oh my. I mean, like you took the words right out of yeah. my mouth. I, 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 it, I have, um, I don't mean to change the subject, but I can really relate this to like being a queer person, like hearing yes, those kinds of things. Yes. Like, oh, uh, I'm I'm an ally, but like you tweeted out this like slur, or you yep. like I heard yep. you like said this bad thing, or yep. like the well, the thing you're just mentioning has like a really negative connotation. Well, people who are like, actually oh my gosh, no, I'm not homophobic, but then they yeah, like, yeah. clearly have these internal still have these internal beliefs that express themselves and diet here culture and there. like works the same way right exactly so i think that it's really important to absolutely speak out more and, and share more tweets or posts or things like that um that are you know weight neutral or fat positive and things like that um to get the yeah to get the word out and educate more people because it really is social media is such a powerful place because it can totally. reach so many people and that's why I was really uh, interested by the next study because not only is it a, like social media is like such a big part of our lives, but like obviously our health is such a big part of our lives. And mm-hmm. So I, I really wanted to take a look and see um, if there was work done on how patients interact with their healthcare workers with regards to how weight le- weight related language is used so this paper is called motivating or stigmatizing public perceptions of weight related language used by health providers it's also from yale university we'll include the information um so why did they do this study there is evidence i mean i think we've talked about this before um roxanne gay definitely mentions it in her book hunger um uh, that there's evidence of healthcare providers having negative attitudes towards overweight patients. Um, and then w- this study wanted to get some information on how patients perceive weight-related language by their healthcare providers. So whether mm-hmm. or not it might affect their feelings towards right. their healthcare provider. Uh, we talked about, you and I were talking about um, Dr. Yoni Friedhoff on Twitter, who um, specifically works, works with patients who are struggling with diet and nutrition um, and I'd be really curious to hear what his day-to-day like clinical care language use is, mm-hmm. is like. Uh, and I'm sure like a lot of dietitians would have some really interesting things to say about this oh, as yeah. well. Um, so what did um, these researchers fi- find? They found that patients rated the words weight and unhealthy weight as the most desirable terms to be used by their healthcare practitioner. And the terms morbidly obese, fat, and obese were rated as the most undesirable, stigmatizing, and blaming. Okay. Um, And 19% of participants said that they would avoid future medical appointments and around the same said that they would even seek a new doctor if they felt stigmatized about their weight. Yeah. So what does it all mean? I mean, obviously, if if you've been listening to the rest of the episode... We were just talking about like the word fat being uh, a reclaimed yeah. word. 
but here this study was finding evidence, although it's it's a few years older, mm-hmm. maybe the, mm-hmm. the results would change now. The study was finding evidence that it would be stigmatizing. And it kind of brings up the idea for me that, um, and I think the paper talked, the researchers talked about it a little bit in their discussion, but people are so individual. Everyone right. has their own idea of what's accepted or not. So the last thing that I want to say about this paper is that it really brings um, up the important point that maybe because everybody's so individual is that healthcare providers, dietitians, doctors, nurses, especially if they're talking about something that might be, you know, uh, emotionally related or like kind of has some sort of baggage mm-hmm. claim to it or attached to it that might be, you know, personally, I don't, I don't really think the word triggering is the right word, but like, has some like personal meaning to it. Or sensitive, Maybe, yeah. Yeah, something that might be sensitive. That's a great word. Thank you. Maybe, you know, ask the patient who Absolutely. you're talking to what kind of uh, weight-related language they are most comfortable with, if that's what you're going to be talking and about. And also what they're most, like, if they're comfortable talking about weight and oh yeah, totally. body yeah. size or body image or any of those things. I think, yeah, starting off with those questions, like if... If it's on the healthcare provider's mind um, to discuss, I think first things first, you should say, are you comfortable talking about this at all? Because if they're not, then you don't talk about it. Um, That's kind of like a a key or like a a number one step to like person-centered or patient-centered care is like, are you open to talking about this or are you comfortable talking about this right now? And then, yeah. And then if they, if they are, asking what language are you most comfortable with using or how would you, you know, how do you want to go about having this discussion? Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, And I think that that, yeah, that study highlights that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are the two studies I had. Um, Yeah. Those were great. Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed um, hearing about them and listening to you. They're really interesting. Yeah. Um, so one thing I guess that I just want to add to this conversation about the quarantine 15 and kind of what's wrong with the idea of it or joking about it or complaining about it or fearing it, um, is that it's just really in a, I guess, I don't know, inappropriate right now, or it's, if, if that, if that's what you have the time to worry about or, you know, the the energy to worry about, then I guess maybe that shows a lot of privilege. I mean, there's people getting sick. People are having family members that are getting sick. They're, they're worried their family members are going to get sick. They're losing family members and friends. They're losing jobs. They're not able to see their loved ones. They could be isolated alone. Um, you know, there are way more important things I think right now to worry about than gaining some weight. And, Absolutely. and I hope we've shown some evidence or like shared some pretty good evidence that weight stigmatizing language is not just a joke. Like it is not a joke and harmful. it affects people's lives negatively. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. Um, and like I get wanting to take care of yourself during this time. Absolutely. I'm all for that. And, you know, if that means eating vegetables, that's great. And if that means, you know, doing online workouts, that's great. And, you know, if that makes you feel well in yourself and, and it helps manage your stress, like I understand all of those things, but I think it's important maybe to take a look at where 
those things are coming from and what you consider like taking care of yourself because if, taking, if yeah. taking care of yourself is preventing weight gain you know there there might be something to dig into or um reflect on there and you know there may be some greater right. issues with food and 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 your consumption of diet culture messages and and your beliefs around weight and and health and I saw I saw another dietitian mention this in on social media. She said, you know, there's two options here. You you stay home as much as you can to, you know, stop the spread or reduce the spread um, and do your part and maybe maybe gain weight, like if that may be an outcome because you're moving less or eating more or whatever it is, or you are out and about and you get the coronavirus or you spread the coronavirus and you end up in the hospital or someone else ends up hospitalized because of that, because you were afraid of gaining weight, like, which one do you prefer? And I hope that everyone prefers the first option, right? Because that's what's most important right now. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot to think about here you know, our behaviors around this time and the way that we communicate with one another are really important mm-hmm. and they're going to affect people in real ways. Yeah. So staying at home does not mean that if you are feeling sorry for yourself for the wrong reasons that you should bring other people down with you. Right. So try to make your communication worthwhile and positive. Yeah. Words and- mean things, as Crystal says on yes, the read. Yes, Words mean things. They do. Yeah, and I I just wanted to reiterate that we're not you know attacking you if you ha- if you've had those thoughts you know if you've had anxiety in the last month or whatever it is around gaining weight right now or around your eating habits right now those are valid because like we said it's so ingrained in our society to think about those things and have anxiety totally. about those things but maybe. It's a time to do some reflecting and think about why you're having those thoughts and what your beliefs are around weight gain and your own body and your own eating habits and maybe do a little bit of work um, in that area. Absolutely. And there's some really easy things to do. Just like don't engage with that kind of quarantine 15 weight discrimination content. Don't like those pictures. Don't reshare them. Don't retweet them. If someone makes that kind of joke towards you, you know, don't engage with it. Try to flip it on its head. Make it something positive, and share some body positivity knowledge, or share the knowledge that, like, well. this is actually really harmful. Yeah, and consume totally. more body positive and um, messaging around intuitive eating and and um, positive body image and positive relationships with food and um, exercise and all of those things. And yeah, I mean, it's really. What's most important right now is, yes, of course, steering away from perpetuating that messaging and resharing that messaging and participating in it, but also just like showing yourself compassion and kindness. And that that may be in the form of eating comfort food. It may be in the form of taking a nap. It may be in the form of exercising it, you know, whatever it is for you. I think it's most important right now to be showing yourself compassion and kindness and not stressing about your weight um because that's really so in in terms of importance it's so minuscule right now yeah 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 absolutely thank you hannah i really appreciate that yeah um okay so i think that kind of wraps up 
our topic for the week. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, Me too. And we're definitely all for canceling the quarantine 15. <laughs> Canceled. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I guess, Tarek, maybe we should get into our little discussion around what's been tasty this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first. Oh, so. Okay. I guess, you know, last week I mentioned that I was trying to keep my meals more simple um, just because that's all I've been feeling like doing right now. I haven't felt like making elaborate dinners and doing a ton of meal prep and, and um, yeah, just keeping things simple. So, and that's fine. You know, that's one of my ways of coping with what's going on right now is keeping mm -hmm. meals and food simple. It's been helping me a lot, but I have also wanted to get creative and still create um, tasty, you know, delicious meals, um, although very simple. So what's been tasty for me this week is actually canned corn, which might sound like so weird to some people, but I didn't, I love I didn't realize how much I loved it. Like I, I definitely don't eat it enough. Uh, I find it adds like such a nice little crunch to things. It's so crisp. Mm -hmm. um, so totally. I've, I've been, we've been doing a lot of like Mexican inspired meals because they've been really easy. Like we have a lot of canned beans, we have canned corn. Um, and so we've been doing like tacos and burrito bowls and things like that. And adding canned corn to them has been just so delicious to me. Um, and also when you mm -hmm. open like a can of corn, I find, I mean, you don't use the, we don't usually use the full can at once. So I've kind of had to get creative to find ways to use it up um, and make sure. it, you know, go as far as it can. So that along with mango salsa, I have been loving um, to go along with the little Mexican theme there. But um, I love that. when I was at the grocery store last, I picked some up because we always have salsa on hand. But um, I don't know, I wanted something different. And I love I love mango and I love the little bit of sweetness that it adds to the salsa. So canned corn mm -hmm. and mango salsa on tacos, burrito bowls, um, just with like nacho chips mm, has been so good. I love that. That's awesome. It sounds delicious. I love corn. It is delicious. So good. So what about you? Um, well, I don't know how to even say this or how to start this, but I, I'm changing my tasty from what it was yesterday. Oh, okay. Uh, You're surprising me. Yeah, I am surprising a little bit. Um, I, I guess I'll, what I'll say is like, you know, not only has, you know, have these past couple of weeks been really difficult because of isolation possibly, but I've ex been experiencing a lot of grief recently mm -hmm. because of um, something that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's been really, really hard. And yeah. I found myself really struggling to feel empowered and feel like I love myself again. Is this like too deep? No, no. Um, okay. Um, but, you know, through small changes and like, it's been taking a lot of time and I still think it will take a lot of time to get past that. But I have been slowly like regaining more self-esteem and, you know, love for myself again a little bit, like every day, just like with, you know, kind of having more quiet time and resting and I don't know, trying to like reconcile everything that's been happening. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I just wanted to share 
that my tastings, I'm really, I didn't really get to celebrate this at all because of the timing of everything. Yeah. Um, but I'm really proud of myself. I won uh, my university's three-minute thesis competition. Yeah. Uh, and for people who are listening, if they don't know, the three-minute thesis competition is a competition for graduate students um, where they have to condense their a talk about their thesis work into three minutes. And the whole point of it is that you're trying to do, I mean, what we do on the podcast, communicate yeah. um, work in a concise, understandable, and hopefully engaging manner. Um, and I won. I won out of... Um, Amazing. It was, I think it was initially like 80 students who were competing um, and I got the top prize and the People's Choice Award, and I, I'm just I. So many people helped me, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, but and I'm also like really proud of myself. It it was one of the first times, honestly, in like maybe six years that I've ever felt proud of myself and confident. It it had been a long time since I had that feeling, and I really lost that feeling over the past yeah. month. But I'm slowly trying to get back to that place where, you know, I I feel worth it and I feel, you know, um, like I like I you know I did I put in the work and the outcome was deserved. Honestly, I'm like anyway, so that's my taste. Like, is myself? I guess that's so like no, that's brag, amazing. But. No, I'm like trying not to smile so hard right now because I'm so proud of you. Like you should be Thank so you. proud of yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so we're just gonna call into our homeless here. Dabbing. Um, I was dabbing. But no, you so deserve to be so proud of yourself. And honestly, not just for this, but for so many reasons, because you're just oh, an you. overall amazing human being. That it was phenomenal. Like your three minute thesis presentation was phenomenal. You deserve to win absolutely, and we're all so proud of you. I think I shared on the podcast um so instagram anyways that you won and like for everyone to oh, congratulate you i'm pretty sure you did or maybe oh, it was on so my nice. instagram it was on one of the social you're media so pages sweet. that i shared and maybe we should i don't know if you're comfortable with it we could share your um link in the description yeah we could share your performance <laughs> oh, or yeah, your presentation not your performance your presentation with but it was a bit of a performance too like it was song and dance. i'm very uh gestural <laughs> yeah it was awesome um the mic really limits that for me right. here but uh usually i talk a lot with my hands yeah so yeah we could if you're comfortable we could share that for other people to oh thank you it means a lot that that you liked it that means yeah a lot. i think everyone would it was really good thank you yeah. so much you're, you're well awesome. actually maybe that Thank you. Um, maybe that brings um, us to the point, which, which something that we didn't do for season two, episode one. Oh, I know. Ooh, sadly, bad, sadly, 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 we we have to plug ourselves, and it's so it's so. I feel weird, but we I have know. to plug. You have to please go subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are in the description. Yeah. Go follow us on Twitter. Go follow us on Instagram. It it really helps. Um, it does, and people should. I don't, should people know it costs us money to do this we don't make yep. any money we actually pay to yep. have sadly in 2020 you have to pay to have a podcast yep. and uh, sadly yep. a lot of people are making the decision to have their own podcast and we happen to be some of those people who are making that decision to have their own say yeah. with me podcast so um yeah it would really help you know i need an olive oil sponsorship i'm putting that out there um i started this uh podcast off by saying my 
can air conditioners from Arctic King. I'm waiting for that email. <laughs> to but yeah it really would help you know uh follow like comment leave a rating leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this um we'd love to hear from you send us some uh of your own thoughts send us some bs's that maybe we oh my gosh i love when people send in stuff for us to talk about for bs of the week it's my favorite thing absolutely yeah um fill our dms get get our get our family members out of our dms they support us enough we we want to hear from you totally yeah (laughs) yeah definitely we love the recommendations we love your reviews so anything we want to hear from you guys we love hearing from you guys it makes us feel like a hit that subscribe button yes please wherever it is hit the button it's somewhere (laughs) around here yeah all right you guys well Thank you again for listening. Um, We hope that you're staying safe and healthy and showing yourself some compassion. Just being kind to yourself right now and um, canceling the quarantine 15. Yeah, and stay home. Please, yeah, stay the blazes home. (laughs) Stay the blazes home. If you're from the Maritimes, you'll get that. Okay, bye guys. Bye. Bye.